Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sue Costello. Turn the world on with a smile. Take a nothing day and you make it all seem worthwhile. Hi everybody, it's Sue Costello. I'm here with Walker and we're in the Boogie Down Bronx. Coming to you live. No, not live. Coming to your earbuds. Straight to your earbuds. <laughs> oh, so this week we're going to talk about my lovely trip to the network TV world. Yes, my re-entry. <laughs> okay, so you know I always like tragedy plus time equals comedy for me, for everybody. But so, okay, so 20 years ago I had a bunch of TV deals. And I had my own TV show, and I was really, 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 really naive. I talked about that in the first rebranding of the this podcast, and I just really was like, la, 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 and I left. And it's funny, I heard a girl say the other day, she was very conscious of it too. She was like, if she doesn't heal the stuff inside of her, then she's going to be susceptible. And I feel like that happens. Like people, people know people who have wounds, and they go after it. And I hated that too. I don't even know. I thought I was so... This whole, I just I had such a false self that I created because I was so terrified inside of feeling crazy, of somebody telling me I was crazy because I did not feel solid. That I think is, I think that speaks to ever to people everywhere. Like this idea of like, just that traumatic feeling of like you saying something and somebody trying to tell you it's different and like hurting you or pushing you. Like that's what I guess is going on with all the sexual assault stuff and everything. It's like really traumatic because it's like so bizarre and it's like hurts your body and you have to recover. And I mean, even Sarah Silverman said on her TV show, she's still processing stuff like, yeah, we're human beings. We have to process things. It would be good. I feel like everybody's like, oh, I just wish we could be like, yeah, 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 yeah. But I feel like once you process it, you do get closer to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you have to go through the middle of processing it all. And people are like, yeah, not in the mood for that. <laughs> But it's getting worse on the outside world. The world is coming in on us now. We're doing it to our planet. We're turning everything. Like, you want to talk about like anger towards your mother, Mother Earth. All that energy that's going on, it's turning on us. I, 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 that's my, that's, I am Sue Costello. That's my belief. I feel like there's a lot of hope though. I feel like through this kind of get like uprising, but it's going to take work. I feel like people might may want to like when I work, when I apply myself, I feel so much better. I don't feel so free floating. And believe me, I bought plenty of things. I bought them, took them home, put the bag down, took it out of the bag, and gone. It's gone. The feeling's gone. Put a pair of new shoes on. Gone after that. Not that that high. That feeling. That's the problem. That's a, that the addiction. That's how they get us. They get us addicted. And you do the drugs. You eat the food. You have the sex, and it makes you feel better for a second, but then you feel worse than you did afterwards. And that's what I say with some of these guys with this sex stuff. Like, it's an addiction. So for us to even say, like, you guys, it's like it's giving them more credit. They're not, like, loving it. At least I'm not in their body. I don't know, but I would imagine it can't be a party to have to walk around with that kind of shame. Because if it was, they wouldn't be so ashamed of it. They would kind of, it wouldn't be so shameful. I don't know. So anyway, so the network. So, okay, so I said in my, um, one of my earlier podcasts that I, I was, I, I, over the summer, I emailed a big, big, I'm not going to say the network and I'm not going to say names because I don't want to take anybody down. And I feel like it's so interchangeable with a million stories I have that it 
you could just imagine it's anybody. <laughs> so I emailed, this is the naive me, this is my part. So I emailed this head, head, head of this conglomeration, right? That I used to do business with. And I said, will you meet with me? And he emails back, sure. Okay, so I, Sue Costello, haven't been in the TV world for 20 years. I email this guy. I have the cachet to be able to go meet with this guy, okay? I'm in LA and people's eyeballs are like falling out of their head. They're like, what? Who are you meeting with? What? Who are you? And I'm like, I don't know. He just said yes. And so uh, I took, I, I had no money. I took three flights because that was the cheap flight. And I had a one-way ticket. And I think somebody had given a, a donation to the podcast that helped the, the flight. It's so funny because there are people out there that are like, Sue, I really want to support what you're doing. I really want to be part of watching you do this. <laughs> and I always felt like that. Even on stage, I used to be like, people like, do that again, Sue, because I'm never doing it, but I like watching you do it. <laughs> Even my mother's like that. She's like, stop it, do it again. Stop it, do it again. Uh, so uh, so I took three flights. And uh, and it's funny because I, I, I want to talk about this too. So I took the three flights and now in your head, you would think, oh. And I took only got a one-way ticket because I didn't have the money to get the ticket on the way back because I had to wait for some check or something. So I only got one one-way ticket. And I remember the per- some guy saying to me, I could never do that. I could never not know when I was coming back. And I think what's happened in my, my life and my career is I don't have all that fear anymore because I'm like, oh, whatever. I don't have, when you have stuff, you have more fear sometimes because you're like, I have to know when I'm coming back because I have the money to do it. And I feel like money sometimes people use it to cover feelings. You can throw money at feelings. And when you can't throw money at feelings anymore, then you get a feeling of feelings. But then you realize you're much freer because you're like, oh, I can't pay that person. That's what I used to do. I used to pay people not to hurt me a lot. A lot of my agents and managers, I was like, just just don't hurt me. Take my money. Or shut up. Or I'll buy the check because I'm, I'll pay for the check because I'm too uncomfortable because I feel guilty. I'll do this. Or I want to feel better. Like oh, just this whole money thing that goes on. Ugh. So anyway, so uh, so I get the one-way ticket and I get the, the, my third leg of the flight. I'm sit- seating be- seated beside two kids, an eight-year-old girl and a 12-year-old boy in the back, 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 back row. And you would think like, oh, who wants to take three flights and blah, 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 and all this. Com- you could complain about it, right? Or you could just go with it, right? And uh, so the little girl, she was so cute. She was like, you could see she had like a crush on the 12-year-old boy. She went right to sit right beside him. And we were talking and she was like, I'm very afraid. And I said, well, what are you afraid of? She goes, dying. This girl's eight years old. And I go, I understand. I go, it's scary, isn't it? I'm like, you're born, and then all of a sudden you find out that you're going to die, and you're like, what? What the heck is this? And she was laughing so hard. I'm like, how old are you? And she's like, <laughs> she goes, I'm eight. I go, well, how'd you find out that you died? She goes, my grandmother died. I go, isn't it crazy? I'm like, you have like eight good years, right? And then you're like, what? And she was laughing so hard. I'm like, and then you ask your mother, you're like, what? Why didn't you tell me this was going to happen? You're like, where's grandma? And she's like, she died. And you're like, what do you mean? She's like, well, she's dead. She's gone. And you're like, what? She's gone? She's never coming back? No. And you're like, well, are you going to die? And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to die. And you're like, what? The girl was laughing so hard. And I was like, and then you're like, am I going to die, mom? Oh, yeah, you're going to die too. Well, how? Well, we don't know. And she was laughing so hard. It's like. And then they expect you to be like, you know, you're like, <laughs> you could die tomorrow. You could live till you're 100. We don't know. And she's laughing. And I'm like, and then they're like, all right, now go play. <laughs> I go, then you're supposed to live your whole life. No one having that information, right? And she's like, yes, she's eight. And I said to her, I said, well, here's what I do know. I said, a lot of people who had their grandparents die, the last things that they said to them was enjoy your life. 
I said, they could say anything. They could say, be scared. They could say, this is terrible. They could say, you're a bad person. They choose their last words to say, enjoy your life. I said, so I'm guessing that your grandmother probably wants you to not run around scared for the rest of your life since you're only eight. I'm thinking she might want you to be happy and enjoy your life. And she lit up. And then the boy says to me, he has a watch and he's like dressed. You could tell he comes from a wealthy family. And he was like, uh, I've been bullied. I just came from camp. First he was telling me he's flown all around the world by himself. He was so cute. I mean, this kid was adorable. And you could tell he was like, you could tell he was going to be when he was older. And he's like, oh yeah, I've flown everywhere. And I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah, I just got bullied at my camp. And I'm like, well, how do you deal with that? And I'm like, how do you deal with being bullied? And he's like, well, I, I have compassion for them. And I said, that's the key, isn't it? And he goes, yeah. He goes, because otherwise I'll just either get mad at myself or I'll get mad at them. So I, I try to have compassion and understand that from where they come from. And then it was time to land because we were like, it was the third leg. And uh, the little girl was literally jumped up out of her seat and she was like, oh my God, that was like five minutes. That was like five minutes. That was so fast. She kept saying it was so cute. And then the woman who she was with, I think it was her aunt. She was like, thank you so much for talking with her. And then I was waiting by the bags and the little boy was with his mother. And he's like, there's Sue, there's Sue. And she was like, oh, nice to meet you. He was telling me about you. And I was like, oh, wow. Look at that. And that really, really, really affected me talking to those kids and just telling them the truth and, and having the little girl say that it felt like five minutes. I'm like, see, I told her some serious truth and she was invigorated and she felt better. And I'm like, I knew I was, knew what I was talking about. And then the kid's telling his mother about me. He likes me. <laughs> so it really moved me. I loved the flight. I'm like, see, you would have said, why do I take three flights? There you go. That's why I took three flights, right? So then, uh, so I go to meet with this guy and in my head, I'm like, I'm just going to ask him for, for uh, advice. I'm going to ask him what to do. I met with ABC a bunch of times about doing a talk show. I'm like, I feel like I should do it. Everybody's seeing me on stage and they're saying what you're doing. You're the way you're talking about being a woman without being angry with men. This is what they, they're going crazy over it. So I'm like, oh, and then this other company came. They wanted to do a TV show, a sitcom with me. So I went to him for advice. And I walked into his office and it was a, it was a great conversation in terms of, I said, he's like, where you been? <laughs> I said, I'm getting stronger. And he says, uh, and I tell him I need advice. I don't know what to do because they had told me to do a talk show when I was younger too. So I'm like, I don't know what to do. And he, and he, he kind of didn't really like, he's like, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and then he's, we talked about me doing a TV show and him getting me a writer and that he's good at that. And I wasn't asking him for that. I was just asking him what he thinks I should do with my career. And during that conversation, he asked me, how are you making a living? And when he was asking me that, I was not comfortable with it. And he asked me it again a little while, while longer later, and I didn't like it again. And the third time he asked me, I consciously decided, I'm going to tell him that I've been broke. And the reason why I told him that I'm broke is because I wanted him to know that that's how willing I was to go to any lengths to do what I'm doing with my career. I was proud of it in a way. And I also thought most people would tell you, don't say that because they'll take advantage of you. But the reality is, is if you say it, then you can see if they're gonna take advantage of you. That's what I mean by this whole idea of everybody. Me, I used to be afraid of feeling mental. And that was, that was actually impeding me from getting my power. So by me telling him I was broke, was able to see how he would behave. I could never do that before. So, um, so I leave the office and everybody in LA is like, Sue, you just met with that guy and you didn't ask him for any money? I'm like, no. 
I didn't. And then he said to me, film your play. And I remember thinking when he said that to me, I felt like I felt what was going on. He was, there were times when he was manipulating me. He, there were times when it was gross. I could feel it. And I said inside, I was like, well, I don't have any money to film my play. Why did he, I just told him I don't have any money and I'm here for advice and what, and he's like, I felt like he was reaching inside of my chest and like, and so, but I didn't say it. it was like a trigger. Like what was I supposed to say? Like, Oh, film my play, give me the money and then you can own it and then you can own me and then I'll never have any. So I didn't say that. And then, uh, he said to me at one point, it was funny. He got really excited. He said, I think you're ready for what's about to happen to you. And I was like, I think that was the most honest thing that came out of his mouth the whole time was when he said that. I think he felt it, but he didn't know what he was feeling. And when I was leaving the office. He's like, don't sign any deals. Don't sign any deals. And I remember thinking when I was leaving, oh. First of all, I just went to ask him for advice. And why would I, I used to, in the past, I would have been like, oh, I won't sign any deal. Like, what do you mean don't sign any deals? Where's my deal? Like, what are you talking about? So I waited a little while and then I was like, I'm not filming my play. You're not a play person. Let's just do, I'll take you up on a writer. Let's do a TV show. So he sent me to the, another person who wasn't even in charge of TV shows. And this guy, I'm telling you, he literally from the second that I got, they, he was like, we're so excited to invite you back to the family. And I know that this big wig called this guy and said, you're never going to believe who just walked out of my office. And he told me this. And I remember thinking, why is he telling me how much power I have? It's not smart negotiating, but I'm thinking he's telling me this because he thinks I'm a dumb broad and I don't fucking hear what he's saying to me. Because otherwise he thinks I'm going to be like, oh, I'm going to be caught up with the, with the compliments. And I wasn't. I was like, this is dumb negotiating, right? <laughs> So anyway, so the guy literally, like, he was like, cra like I can't tell you the craziness for three months over the summer. My friends will vouch for it, the whole thing. Because I was really, I was like, let me see what's up here. Let me see what's going on. And so he, uh, I, at one point, he's like, we want you to come out and meet with us. And I was like, any chance of you flying me out? That's all I said. And he acted like a nutbag, like an absolute nutbag. Like, and then he didn't call me back for three weeks. And I'm like, uh, what are you doing? I thought I was going to be part of the family, whatever. So I follow up and then he's like, then he makes me go meet the woman in New York. I have to go meet the woman in New York. And meanwhile, he, he calls me and he yells at me. We're not flying you out. We don't fly people out anymore. And I remember saying perfect. Cause in my logical brain, I was like, okay, then I'm going to pitch it to everybody. I was going to this guy. And that's what I said. I said, I'm going to you. I'm going to give you first dibs. Everybody's coming at me. Now that you offered me a writer, I'm going to give you first dibs, right? And so I don't have any representation either because, but at this point I'm not going to get representation because I don't, what am I going to do? Hire somebody I don't know that's going to end up doing, I don't, I, the deal's already in the place. So uh, he makes me, so he, he says, I say perfect. And he gets so mad that I say perfect. So mad. And then he's like, well, don't go, don't go anywhere else. And we want to see it. And we want to see you play. And we wanted this. And I'm like, okay. And I, and I hung up. And I talked to my dad, who's a labor mediator. He goes, oh, perfect was the best thing for you to say to him because he was doing something. And I'm like, well, I was just being logical. I was like, okay, I will come pitch you, but I'm going to pitch everybody. If you don't have any reason to keep me being the person that's going to you. And that night he called me again. And I remember being in my house and I was like, I'm in Queens in my apartment. I'm like, this is weird. I'm like, this person's calling me like an abusive ex-boyfriend. I'm like, I remember just being able to be that pragmatic and be like, what? And then the next morning the woman called me and she's like, we want you to come and meet with us. In New York. So I go, so I logically, I think, oh, okay. He wants me to come meet. She wants, she's following up for him. So that Monday I go in and she's like, well, what are you doing? You're not calling him. You got to call him back. He's been trying to call you all weekend. And I go, what? I go, 
No, he's not because I'm so pragmatic. See, this is what I mean by this whole idea when people are doing something and you don't feed into it. I go, no, that's not what's happening. I'm like, he called me on Tuesday night at 8.30 and you call me on Wednesday morning at nine o'clock and that's what I thought this was. And she goes, I'm not getting involved. I'm not getting involved. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and I realized most people would have caved when that happened either fought or did something. And I just kept talking and I, and I'm telling you, I sat across from her and I said to her, it's over. The corruption, the abuse of power, the sexism, I go, it's over. And it's time to do business. That's very transparent because with the internet, you can't do anything anyway. So it's time to do fair square business. Now I said, it's, it's anything that's not built on a spiritual foundation is going to crumble. He calls me the next day, we're going to fly you out there. So obviously, whatever I said worked, right? And they're going to fly me out. And and then I'm like, two weeks later, the Harvey thing happens. And I'm like, oh my God, I just told her that it was all going to crumble. And now it's crumbling. What the heck? So now I'm freaked out. And the TV show that I wrote was about abuse of power and men in suits. And, the, and not more than that, though. It's more than that. It's about the whole country. It's about everything I'm talking about here. But it's very funny. And it's done in sitcom. And it's hilarious. And so... uh so they fly me out business class and my, I had asked them, do they want me to sign anything before I come? Because he had mentioned that and he's like, no. I asked him a week in advance because I didn't want to be blindsided. And so my attorney, who's an intellectual property attorney, said to me, Sue, you got to bring an NDA. And she writes a simple NDA. So I go out there, I meet with everybody, all the bigwigs, and I sit in the room by myself. NDA is non-disclosure agreement. So just so my, to protect my intellectual, my, my idea. And... I, I take out the end. They say, okay, what's your pitch? And I take out my, my NDA and they shuffle me out of the room. They push me into the, to the lobby and they try to shove a contract. And the guy tries to shove a contract in my face and he says, sign it, sign it. I said, I'm not signing that. He goes, well, then you're going to have to come back another day because we're going to have to go through this NDA. We have to send it to our attorneys. We have to do this. We have to do that. I go, okay. And I leave. And then they call me 10 minutes later and I didn't realize that they had called me and I get home. And my attorney is like, you left? I'm like, yeah. She's like, you are the ballsiest person I've ever met. I mean, this woman is like negotiating for huge corporations. And she's like, remind me never to mess with you. And I'm like, I'm not fucking around. I'm like, I don't care. You're not going to abuse me. I don't care if I never go back there. And sure enough, they call me right away. Come back. So I go back the next day and I'm sitting in the lobby. And I've, over the past 20 years, I've researched, like I've done so much like I said, educating myself. And I remember seeing a picture of Bobby Kennedy and I'm in very much of this acceptance of life is hard. Bobby Kennedy sitting in the corner of this this stairwell. L.B. Johnson made him sit there for like so long in this very uncomfortable position before he gave his speech because he was trying to get him to not be strong. So when I was waiting out in the lobby that day, I was like, I know, they're doing what, Bob, what they did to Bobby Kennedy. And I just waited and I said, Sue, do not be surprised at anything that happens in that room. And I get there and he comes out and he's like, all right, we're in a rush, we don't have time. And I'm like, I don't have time. What do you, what did you have me come in for? The whole thing was always like, what do you do? Okay, bye. I don't care. Bye. And they just kept acting more and more. Quit. And then saying like sexist stuff to me about my body and the meeting. And I'm like, what is happening? I'm like, how? they can't even control themselves in this, in this climate. This is crazy. And so I get in there and they try to just have, so the NDA has a, a contract on the top, but then the exhibit, the actual idea is in the back and they don't have the, thing attached so sure enough didn't I have two copies of my own and I pulled it up and they signed it and they were so mad and I read my whole pitch and they were so mad 
And I left and uh, I went to Lawrence, dinner with Lawrence Fishburne that night. And he was so good. He's like, Sue, they're just trying to unnerve you. He goes, that's all they're doing. He goes, do not budge. He was so cool. He's like, do, and I didn't know why he was being so emphatic, but because it was so irrational. And this is the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. It's like, it's so irrational when it's happening. You're like, what are you doing? I, you flew me out here. And it's like, they didn't, they wanted to do what they wanted to do. Even in that climate. And then I came home. Oh, they told me. Oh, I know. They said, they said, we love the idea, but we don't know who's going to write it because you're just an actress. You don't even know what to say. The I guy, don't. Why? Well, because you're, you're an actress and, and a writer. And <laughs> you have been. I had my own show that I co-created. Exactly. But and that, you've written a play and yeah. you've written a lot. And I wrote the treatment that I read to them. So and, what's that about? Hmm. That's the question, right? It's to knock you down. Exactly. Disempower. Disempower. And then, so then I come back to New York. I went and met with a production company just to make sure, and the production company was going mental. They're like, oh my God, you have so much going on. Oh my God, oh my God, your voice. Oh my God. I was like, I knew it. They were complete opposite of the way that this network was treating me. So I got home and I literally had to take five days. I didn't talk to anybody because I felt like I had been through like a domestic violence situation my friends were even like so you have to take care you don't know understand what you just went through and i remember they were talking to me like that and i was almost like if you're really injured and you can't see yourself and people were like oh boy that's what was going on and so for five days i was like just sit still and then i was like and then all this stuff started coming out in the press and i was like oh my gosh oh my gosh oh my gosh and so this is what i mean by being able to manage when something actually does happen to you and to decide who you are and how you want to do it and i'm like I could have went to the press. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that stupidness. I stuck up for myself. I, I've, one day I will read the emails about what I sent. Literally. I, the emails, I will probably be, people will want me to be president that I sent. The emails that I sent, I was like, fuck off. Don't, I didn't swear, but I was like, stop. I'm like, stop abusing me. I'm like, and now that you're abusing me, I see that you abused me like 20 years ago when you had them rub hot dogs on my vagina and my pilot. Like, stop it. Stop it. Yeah. But do you see what happened? So... It takes a lot of strength to not feed into it, to be that kind of, to have that kind of intimidation and to not feed into like throwing myself under the bus by acting away from my integrity too. And then I'm like, well, I'll just tell it on my new podcast. That's what I felt comfortable doing. I felt like comfortable by just telling it here because who's going to, how many listeners do you have or whatever? But it's also the truth. Like once you calm down, the truth really does guide you. Yeah, no, no. This is part of the healing. What is? Telling the truth, right? But I yeah, mean, but people, how'd you get through it at the time? I didn't talk to anybody. I just went to yoga. I knew how traumatized I was. So I just took care of myself. And that's really hard to sit with. It's really hard to sit with because you want to act out. You want to, you want to, like I said, you want to take what happened to you and dump it on somebody else. That's what you want to do because it's so painful. I mean, like neurologically painful, like in your body. So you were preempting that. You wanted to make sure that was not going to happen. That's why you had to be in a quiet space. Yeah. Is that yes, what you're saying? And I was so triggered that I didn't want anybody to say the wrong thing to me. And I didn't want it like, and that's when you're vulnerable too. Cause then that's when somebody like a publicist or somebody could be like, Oh, you got to do this. And then you're like, all right, I'll do that. Or a lawyer or somebody. And you're like, blah. And then you're like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. That's that'll take me out of my career. And I don't want to do that. I want to figure out how to win. That's what I want to do. Everybody. If I want to win and I want to win the right way. And I want to, whatever. I would love to see those guys and be like, what's up boys. How are you doing? That's what I want to do. I don't want to be like, 
you'll never crush me. I don't want to get all mad. I want to be like, boy. And that is what's happening. Like one of the guys in the room said to me, you're scary. You scare me. He said it out loud. He's a big, huge executive. And he said it out loud in the room. And I was like, I'm not doing anything. He's like, that's what's scary. You don't fall for any of the stuff. Like they, they don't know what to do with me because I don't, I'm not even doing like the whole, like, I'm not giving them anything. I'm like, yeah, that's what you did. And then I'm just sitting still. I'm like, you guys were abusive and sexist during a very sexist time. That's what happened. And they're like, well, all right, well, <laughs> they keep calling me now. They're still calling me. My friends are laughing their asses off. They're like, so you have the biggest, most powerful men in Hollywood calling you all the time. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> but you have to remember the most important thing of this whole story is I told him I was broke. He took advantage of that. I went there out of the goodness of my heart. I said, I'm going to give you first dibs. So is that a lesson for you now? I mean, if you could do it again, if you could do it over again, would you do anything differently? Nothing, not one thing. Why is that? Because now I'm going to have representation. Now I'm going to have an agent. Now I'm going to have a manager. Now I'm going to have, but, but I had to, because this idea of getting people to do for you what you're afraid to do for yourself, I had to sit there and like I always tell you, you got to swallow. I got to see what happened. That's really what happened. I'm not having these people represent me and then telling me what's happening or lying, like peeing on it's my not, head. It's not a fantasy world. You're seeing what they're actually capable of. And that way you can prepare yourself better. Is that what you're saying? Not only that, but now I can educate the people that are representing me too. I can be like, no. If they's like, oh, it's not sexist, I'll be like, don't even try it. If you don't even want to hear it, get out of my, get, you're not representing me. And I also, the deepest thing I found was my value because the, it's, it's opposite. They're treating you so poorly, but I'm like, well, why are you talk? Why are you calling me? Why'd you meet with me? If I'm just some loser girl who's got some story that she's telling, what are you ringing up the phone in Queens for? <laughs> They don't know what to do with me because I don't, I can't be bought. That's what it is. I have no money and I still didn't let them do that. I didn't. So it's like, who's going to stand? What person in America isn't going to go? That girl was on that plane with those kids. She took three flights. I paid three flights to go meet that guy. I said that to him. I go, if you, what do you think people are going to think when I just tell them? Because he's like, people connect with you on a deep level. I'm like, people, you think people liked me before? Wait till they hear I stood up with you, stood up to you when you tried to take advantage of me. When I had nothing and I still didn't take any money. That a $5 at a yoga class is a stretch for me. You tell me what people are going to think. But that must be freeing too, that honesty to be honest about, no, I don't have any money. Yeah, I'm broke. Yes, that $5 is going to make or break me today. Mm -hmm. It makes me feel bad also because it makes, you know how good it makes me feel that I don't have any money and I still didn't sell out? Nobody can give me any money in the world to make me feel like that. And not only sell out, but handled that trauma that happened to me and still didn't do anything that was against my integrity. And now I'm saying it in a way that I'm very conscious. I'm very clear. I know I'm telling the story. And whatever, I'm going to sell the TV show. Somebody's going to buy it. That's the other thing. I was like, there's like a hundred ways to skin a cat. I'm like, these guys, are they're literally like old dinosaurs that are like, you will not have power. And they're going to take themselves down. Because I could like literally ruin them. I could ruin them. I could do what everybody's doing and take them down. I mean, they've been in the press for being sexist and everything. It's like, I could literally just go and say, 
I had the woman, oh, sorry. I had the woman from, uh, I mean, I could have got the woman from the Times to do it, but I'm not doing it. I am not doing it because I don't care. I, they're not even that powerful. Whatever, let them take themselves down. I don't need them. I don't need them. I need, if I have four people listening to my podcast, that's what I need. And so I'm actually walking the walk. I'm doing the, I'm doing what I'm talking about. I'm suffering the horrific trauma that went on with it. Accepting it. Realizing I can't change it. And I'm not going to get a gang to gang up on them. I don't care. I'm just going to keep shining. People keep saying, Sue, your eyes are so blue. Sue, you don't look a day. I mean, the comics are like, Sue, you look exactly the way you did before. And I'm like, it's because of what's going on internally. It has nothing to do. I don't have any money to do anything externally. So it's like, it's because I had to do it internally. And not only that, the fact that I did not sink low and that I'll still do business with them. That's the coolest. I'm like, whatever. You're going to even want to do more business. Oh, and then the biggest thing. This is what I keep saying. This is what these guys have done to me. All these guys that have tried to crush me, they've made me stronger. Because I sat with the feelings that day, I'm stronger now. It's like inside, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, they just tried to do that to me. And I not only didn't do it, but now I feel like, not bring, what else are you going to bring? I don't care. Do you understand? So I didn't, if I did something against my integrity, what I said in couple of times on these podcasts, this is the only time I get mad is when I, I'm not even mad at them. Is it, look at that. I'm not even mad at them because it's only when I abandon myself that I would be mad and it would be me that I would be mad at. I never abandoned myself with them. They were, most Lawrence was like, most people would lose their shit. So if somebody treated them the way that they treated you, I was like, oh, okay. And one of the ladies, the lady who said something about my body, she came out and she was like, we're so sorry, Sue. I'm like, no problem. I'm like, if I'm going to run my own show, this I have to do business. They tried every which way from sideways or whatever that saying is to get me to either freak out or cry or cave or, and I think now if I was a bitch, that would even make them happy because then they could go, oh, see, she's crazy. Oh, she's a bitch. Or like, sign your rights away. Sign my rights away is what was really going on. But I already did it. It's like, I was still, I already did it. St I am like, that's how dumb the guys are. That's what I'm talking about. They're dumb. They're so dumb. And if you can calm down, you can spin their dumbness on them. That's what I'm learning how to do. I'm like, really dummy? Do that with, and, that, and the other thing is, that's the reason why I'm saying it on the podcast too and not going to the press and not doing all that. Because if I don't say it, then I am complicit. And that speaks to what everybody says. Why didn't those girls say something? So I am saying it right now. I'm giving, and I'm not taking people down. I am giving people the information of what goes on so that it can empower women so that when they're sitting in a meeting and they see something happen, they can say, oh, this is what Sue was talking about. That's empowering women without taking people down. And that's me not being complicit. That's me helping women, giving them the information like girls. Yes, it does. And women, it does happen. It happens and they do try to intimidate you and, and they are going to try to take advantage of you financially and don't let them keep your dignity. Be a woman of dignity and honor. <laughs> and then I'm happy. Look at me. And that, well, how much am I going to create? I like. I can't stop creating now. I cannot stop creating. So that speaks to like, I don't need them. And that's what's so funny. They're like, I'm like, I would never do and the, the the fear. Like, oh, what if they never let me work with them again? I would never work with them the way that they treated me unless they apologized and treated me with respect. I would never work with them. I'd keep doing my podcast, get my donations, and keep it moving. 
That's why they're afraid of me because they're like, oh, she don't be bought. And I must have the talent because what are they meeting with me for? They just don't want me to know I have the talent. But that's a line, the, one of the last lines from the play. Say, I, say to the therapist, the woman in the suit, I understand. I understand how this works and I understand that I've been playing my role. You wear a suit and you're supposed to know everything and I come from Boston and I don't know anything and I'm broken. And if I pretend that I'm broken, then you'll love me. I go, what happens if I stop pretending that I'm broken? The whole system changes. And that's what's happening. It's up to me. Stop playing the game. I was trying to change the game. Now I'm like, no, I'm just not playing it anymore. Fire. Baptism by fire. I feel like, my whole body feels like, yeah, vibrating. I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're on to something here, Walker. All right. All right. Bye, everybody. And if they 